Welcome to the Sui Generous Show, your unique perspective on all things related to your civil rights and the criminal injustice system. With Erica Merrill, I'm attorney Brian Jones, criminal defense and civil rights warrior. Today, we'll be following up on the story about Michigan Juvenile Court Judge Mary Ellen Brennan's jailing of a teen for not doing her homework, a measure to create a citizen's review panel for police misconduct in Columbus, Ohio, and the feds are disappearing people all over the United States. Our featured topic in segment two this week will be probation, parole, violations of supervised release, and the consequences thereof in the era of the coronavirus pandemic. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on social media, facebook.com, Central Ohio Criminal Defense, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TLOBJ. You can look to TLOBJ.com and all of our social media outlets for information about your civil rights and the criminal injustice system. And I want to put a shout out to all of our listeners out there. If there's a civil rights or criminal injustice topic that you want us to dive into, let us know in the comments and we will add that to one of our shows. Erica, did you see in the news this week the update about Judge Mary, El Mary Ellen Brennan, who doubled down on her harsh punishment, sending that 15-year-old girl to detention for not doing her homework? And she even said, you're exactly where you belong. Wow. Those were contentious words, and she's a woman who's standing by her decision in the face of public outcry. So in some ways that's good, but in other ways, hey, this is a pandemic. And I think that certain people should be given a second chance. Erica, I, th I think you're right about that. It's important for judges to be independent. They are the third branch of our government and the one branch that really shouldn't be beholden to pressures from public outrage about their rulings. They're supposed to be independent, and that shields them from things like uh, a recall vote or um, you know, having to face re-election. But the reality at the state level is that most judges are elected and often, too often, do succumb to that public pressure. So in some regards, I'm proud of Mary Ellen Brennan for sticking by her guns. The problem, in my opinion, with this decision is that it's, it's a really disproportionate consequence for the conduct. And there's a really difficult dynamic to accept with a white judge sending a black child to detention during a pandemic where the real violation of her terms of probation, even according to the probation and the prosecutor's office, is that she, she missed some of her Zoom classes and she didn't do her homework. Yeah, I mean, it, do you think that there's any chance of an appeal in this situation? At this point, I don't think that there is. It looks like the young girl will be in jail for the next three and a half months. I think to kind of address your concern about the, uh, the, the merits or the rights involved, you know, this is an example of why, even in a juvenile case, it's important to have representation and it's important to litigate these things strongly at trial. You'll remember last week, we talked about how the teacher was available to give testimony, but the lawyer didn't have her 
remain on the Zoom conference to give her testimony about the facts that uh, a lot of the other students were really struggling with education during um, the, the online schooling. Um, you know, this young girl's performance uh, in her schoolwork was really not subpar compared to everybody else. Um, and we'll be talking more about how an attorney can help you with an alleged probation violation during segment two. But it's really important to have representation and get representation early in this process. You know, even somebody that's got a public defender or a court-appointed attorney can reach out and, and engage that first step of self-advocacy so that you've got somebody to give you advice, somebody to discuss what the evidence is going to be, what you need to build up in order to avoid a situation like we've got in Michigan right now. Well, I wish her the best and hopefully those three and a half months go fast and that she can get back on track. Erica, did you also see in the news this week that Columbus, Ohio Mayor Andrew Ginther announced an amendment to the Columbus City Charter, which is gonna be on the ballot this November in Columbus that creates a civilian citizen review board for police misconduct complaints. Wow, that sounds like groundbreaking news. There are citizen review boards in a variety of uh, cities around the nation. Um, Minneapolis, Minnesota is one place in particular. And it, it, they're most frequent in places that have experienced extreme police misconduct and had citizen backlash um, and citizen demand for such a, a, a board following that police misconduct. Columbus has been very active in the protest world post uh, the tragic death of George Floyd. And so it's, it's an example of the First Amendment in action, really bringing to the people that are governing us the demands of the people and uh, getting some accountability and getting some reaction based on the exercise of the First Amendment rights. I think it's fantastic. I think it's going to go a long way in helping the people feel like the playing field is level between the police and the citizens. It's, it's going to make the field a little bit better. It's going to give some accountability to officers that repeatedly engage in misconduct and hopefully get them out of the police force in Columbus, Ohio. This certainly isn't a solution to systemic racism but it is an important first step and a milestone on the journey to form uh, a statewide police accountability and licensing board. I think this is great. And I think that the citizens will be a lot more peaceful when they can see that these steps are being taken to reform the police. Well, hopefully here in Columbus, Ohio, that will be the case, but it doesn't seem like the government is getting the message on the streets of Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Chicago, Illinois, because the federal government has unleashed military troops on those cities. Federal officers in unmarked vans are grabbing citizens, no nameplates on these individuals, no way to identify who they are, no way to identify who these vehicles belong to, and hauling them off to unknown locations and holding them prisoner for hours and sometimes days on end without charge. You know, Brian, this sounds like 
a plot straight out of a Mission Impossible movie, and I'm expecting Tom Cruise to come in and and help save the day for these poor citizens. I mean, this is nuts. It is it is absolutely insane, and it's straight out of a dystopian YA novel. Police personal accounts have shown these unnamed unidentified federal agents seizing people off the street without probable cause. They're not witnessing a crime in, in action. They're just saying, well, you look like a protester, so we're going to snag you off the street without a warrant and detain you for questioning. This is not acceptable. Uh, people from people all across the nation are decrying this use of federal agents and this excessive force and these Gestapo tactics that in, in my opinion are illegal and impermissible for law enforcement of any color to exercise. Certainly we wouldn't allow local police or state police to engage in this kind of behavior. I mean, I saw that the reason that they're being sent in is because they can take more forceful action against the citizens that are protesting than the local police. And did you see, Brian, that the mayor actually got pepper sprayed? He got gassed, yeah, absolutely, we did. And, and I think that really demonstrates one of the biggest problems with the government reaction to the protests. You know, we, we see the, the Portland mayor getting gassed. We've seen uh, Mayor Ginther here in Columbus, Ohio get gassed. We've seen uh, representatives, people from the con Congress people getting gassed. And you know these people aren't rioters. You know, these are elected officials. These are public officials. And you know that these people aren't engaged in illegal conduct. Yet the constant mantra of law enforcement is, we're only using chemical weapons against rioters. We're only using batons and stun guns, and we're only shooting rioters. Well, the reality is, nothing could be wrong, more wrong than what they are saying. Nothing could be less accurate than that version of the narrative. Brian, did you also see the moms that were arm linking their arms in front of the protesters and they got gassed as well? And then the next night, the dads joined the moms, I guess, and uh, everybody was trying to protect the protesters, but they were but forceful tactics were still used. Not only did they get gassed, but they were also subject to the, uh, the rubber and the wooden bullets, the less lethal weapons, which we all know can be lethal. Um, you know, these weapons that are supposed to be fired into the ground that are designed and officers are instructed to fire them into a ground for a skip shot into uh, the rioter but in this case, they're shot directly at people, which can cause a skull fracture, can cause death. Um, these mothers and fathers are engaging in a peaceful resistance activity, and yet federal officers battering ram themselves out of the federal building in order to bust through them like some messed up game of Red Rover. You know, Federal intervention, Erica, is, is rare in our history and even more rarely welcomed by the states. You know, remember that the southern states following the Civil War during the Reconstruction era were loath to see federal officers uh, on their streets enforcing 
the 13th Amendment, enforcing civil rights as it was in that day and age. And this really raises questions about the use, their claimed use of the defense of federal property as a viable reason to be engaging in this conduct. Because what we see time and time again are these arrests, these disappearances are happening blocks or even miles away from federal property. Now, we'll be monitoring this situation uh, very closely and monitoring the developments. A good friend of mine actually posted on social media today that uh, he has an associate that works in a warehouse that has been collecting and storing uh, personal protective equipment for the COVID pandemic. And what he's seeing is rather than federal medical supplies coming into his warehouse, federal chemical weapons and military tactical gear are now being stockpiled in central Ohio. So is this something that is going to become more widespread across the nation? Is the federal government going to launch a wide-scale nationwide suppression of the First Amendment? We're going to keep a close eye on this, and the lawyers of the law office of Brian Jones are going to be ready, willing, and able to challenge these violations of our constitutional rights. I think every American needs to be questioning the elected officials, being putting pressure on their Congress people and their senators, on their state and local representatives to fight back against these oppressive Gestapo tactics. Wow, I mean, I, all I can say is that I'm stunned by where this is going. If having the pandemic and financial ruin for so many Americans wasn't enough, now it, it, we've, we've got protesters and now we've got the federal government basically starting an all-out war on the citizens. It's absolutely disgusting, Erica. I agree. Well, speaking of disgusting things, let's turn to segment two and our featured topic this week, which is probation, parole, and community control sanctions, which is what Ohio calls probation, um, and the violation thereof. Now, Erica, probation is a relatively new concept in the criminal injustice system. It used to be that a person convicted of a crime paid their penance through incarceration or fines, and that that was their repayment of their debt to society. Probation and parole's stated and intended purpose is to reduce future crime by educating and holding people accountable for behavioral changes. In application, it's been used by prosecutors as an ephemeral inducement to take plea bargains with probation officers acting as police enforcement officers with less accountability and the ability to arrest and incarcerate people for actions that aren't even crimes. So let's talk about how closures make complying with probation and parole terms difficult or even impossible. State local and national organizations have come out and come together to create best practices for probation and parole during the pandemic. These include the limitation of office visits using phone check-ins instead, suspending or limiting the file, uh, filing of violations for technical violations, reducing the intake um, of people to those who absolutely need supervision, ongoing supervision, uh, 
reducing the scope and breadth of terms to those that are really strictly necessary and training staff and educating both probationers and staff about safety protocols during the pandemic. Now, the Ohio Supreme Court has issued guidance of a similar nature, EXIT, which is a nationally backed association of probation officers, have supported these um, modifications and uh, safety measures for probationers during the pandemic. And so there's really widespread acceptance of these uh, best practices for probation and parole in these, uh, in these scary times. So I imagine, like we already saw in one of the earlier discussions, that you know, people are still going to be reported for violating their parole. What happens then? Well, before a parole violation or a probation violation is ever filed, it's critically important to review the terms of your probation, review the terms of your community control with your lawyer. Now, high quality criminal defense lawyers don't stop their representation at the conclusion of the case, at the disposition or the sentencing. Um, the best lawyers follow through and review the terms of probation as outlined in the terms of probation with their client. So step one is review that at the outset, make sure you understand your terms and requirements. Now, most probation offices have been working with probationers to schedule or accommodate alternatives during this time period. Requirements like community service, driver's intervention programs, counseling appointments. Uh, these have all been modified so that probationers can be successful while also complying with the terms of their probation. So at the outset, number one, make sure you understand what you're doing. Number two, if you can get accommodations, get them. Number three, make sure that you have a record of your communications. Now in Ohio, Ohio is a one-party consent state, and I encourage people to record their meetings with their probation officers, record their phone calls with their probation officers, only call your probation officer from your cell phone so that you have a digital log of when you've called in and the duration of those phone calls so you can prove that you've left voice messages. And so that you create the evidence to prove your compliance. Now, if a violation is filed, step number one is do not discuss the violation with your probation officer. Your probation officer will have to file a violation with the court, and at that point, it's just like a criminal complaint has been filed against you. Talk to an attorney immediately or ask for the court to appoint a public defender immediately. Go into the public defender's office. Go into your local assigned counsel office. Make sure you've got somebody to talk to as soon as you know that violation has been filed. So Brian, what else can somebody do? Well, after the violation is filed and typically through your attorney, you're gonna to wanna to get a statement of violation, allegations of what terms of your probation you didn't meet and use that statement of violations to collect evidence showing what you did do, how you did comply with the terms of your probation. For example, scheduling anger management classes or looking for employment. Now, I would remind people that the best way to avoid a violation is to communicate before the violation is filed. If you're having issues with paying restitution or completing counseling appointments, make sure that you tell your probation officer as soon as you find that out so that you can ask for help. 
because the probation officer's duty is to assist you in complying with the terms of your probation. Now, if your probation officer is unreasonable, then you're going to want to go to a lawyer because your lawyer can ask for a modification of the terms of your probation, either directly from your probation officer. And it sends a message to the probation officer that you understand that you've got rights and you're not gonna be taken advantage of. Or if the probation officer wants to continue to be unreasonable with an attorney, your attorney can go to the judge because ultimately the probation officers work for the judges. The probation department is a division of the court. It is not a division of the prosecutor's office. It is not a division of the police department. It is, they are employees of the court. So the judge can say, you're being unreasonable. You're not meeting the standards that I require of you. So I'm going to change the requirements for this particular probationer so that they can be successful. You are not going to thwart their success. Taking action early is critical to getting the best result possible. Now, if your violation involves the use of a substance, make sure that you reach out to a chemical dependency counselor. Make sure that you get involved in NA or AA and, and seek treatment to help resolve that substance abuse issue. Asking for help is often the way to avoid a violation in the first place. That's really great advice and one that I've never thought of before. I mean, just, but it makes sense. I mean, just showing that you have every intention of correcting the mistake that you made can go a long way with the court. And I love what you said about getting an attorney at least shows the parole officer that they are not going to take advantage of the situation. They are going to have to follow the rules exactly. And even, you know, where, where things need to be um, readjusted, you know, you've got someone in your corner to discuss that and make that happen if it's appropriate. Absolutely. That's exactly right, Erica. So what if somebody does end up uh, going into custody uh, because of a parole violation? What can someone do to get their loved one out of custody uh, because of this sort of situation? The fastest way you can get somebody out of custody is get them into court. And the fastest way you can get into court is through an attorney. So I always suggest people in this situation retain an attorney who is going to make their first priority getting a court date set as quickly as possible. Now that attorney is also going to investigate the violation, visit your loved one in jail and collect evidence from them and other locations to refute the alleged violation and assist in getting bond or release from custody when they get into court. Now, you should be warned that a common tactic that probation officers use is they will, they will go to your loved one in jail and say, uh, you know, just sit this out, I'll let you out in a little bit. And it's a, it's a tactic and it's a, it's a trick in order to get them to stay in there and try and ride it out with the promise that there'll be a, a time served. Make no mistake, that is a violation of your probation which could ultimately be used to unsuccessfully terminate your probation and send you to prison later. Now, in all of these instances, an attorney can facilitate the process by requesting a hearing date, bond, or COVID-based release. Now, remember that even though the best practices, the Ohio Supreme Court, the national organizations, 
have all advised that technical violations should not be filed during the pandemic. Each county and each court sets its own prerogatives uh, based on what they want to have enforced and what's a priority to them. So just because the national state recommendations say don't file a technical violation doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It is not a good idea to rely on the pandemic as an excuse for not complying with the terms of your probation. Get your probation done now. Get on it like it's your most important priority. Well, I mean, I think that's really smart because you don't know what's going to happen in court later and you don't want to look bad for not following the rules that you were supposed to uh, follow, whether there's a pandemic or not, and just, you know, do the best you can and find out, um, you know, what's allowed and what's not allowed um, to make sure that what you're doing for parole is safe for everybody. So are courts still ordering probation and community control during the pandemic? Most jurisdictions are, and it really depends on the jurisdiction and the level of the offense that leads to a sentencing here. Uh, most courts are ordering probation during the pandemic. It's a priority of the Supreme Court to have electronic monitored house arrest and probation imposed in lieu of jail time and prison sentences. Individuals that are nearing the end of their prison sentence or who qualify for judicial release are also being released from prison, although nowhere near fast enough to reduce the population to make prison safe in this pandemic. Misdemeanors and felonies are receiving probation, and it's a really excellent time to receive it and a great time to crank out all the conditions that you have if you're already on probation. Because the changes in reporting requirements, and the changes of priorities of who really needs to be closely monitored and who doesn't need to be closely monitored has really made it for most probationers where they can call in for reporting and otherwise manage their terms remotely. You know, Erica, the pandemic has really demonstrated what I have been saying and many of my defense attorney colleagues have been saying for years. And that's that modern technology allows for greater accountability of probationers while making compliance compatible with treatment and employment schedules. Being able to engage in probation from a remote standing really makes sense. And there's no reason to force somebody to leave their job to come in for a 15-minute appointment when they could stay at that job, make the money that they need to pay off their court costs and pay their restitution, pay their bills at their treatment facility, and, and other matters like that. It's also demonstrated that a lot of people don't need to be supervised on probation at all. The fact that they've got a conviction and have the possibility of having that conviction sealed if they stay out of trouble in the near future is incentive enough to keep people on the right path, keep them doing what they should be doing to make sure that their behavioral changes stick and make sure that future crime doesn't happen. I think that's absolutely right, Brian, and those are all great points. I'm glad that you are shedding a light on parole and what's happening during the pandemic. Well, I, you're, you're very welcome, Erica, and I appreciate you saying that. You know, I, I want people to remember that the purpose of probation is supervising somebody 
for the length of time that's absolutely necessary and appropriate to ensure their rehabilitation through their terms and through that specter, that, that fear of jail time hanging over them to ensure they continue to comply with the law. Now that prerogative hasn't changed just because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Probation and parole were main options that can keep people out of jail and keep people out of custody, um, out of prison and in the safety of their homes. But it shouldn't be used as a tool to subjugate people and it shouldn't be used as this ephemeral promise of, well, we'll give you probation today, but we're gonna make it so hard on you that you're gonna fail so that we can send you to prison and say, well, we tried, even though they never really did try. Well, I mean, and I think one of the biggest points that you made during this episode is that you know, really the first thing you need to do is get an attorney, get in there, make sure that everything is going to be safe for you and your probation is applied fairly, especially during this pandemic. And that, you know, that, that people are not putting you in a bad position. And, you know, and especially that young girl going back into um, a detention center, it, I mean, she's, she's more at risk now because she's not at home. And, you know, how fair is that? And I think that this needs to be considered for every single person who is on parole. Make sure that if there is a violation, um, you know, that the proper steps are taken so that they're not serving a death sentence by getting sick, by being put back in a detention center when it really wasn't necessary. And so I, I would encourage anyone out there who uh, has a loved one or they themselves um, might have some issues in this area, please pick up the phone and give the law offices of Brian Jones a call. They are just up on all of the situations that are happening today with the pandemic and the law and you know the criminal injustice system. Well, thank you for those kind words, Erica. And, and thank you for joining me again today to discuss the, the criminal injustice system and civil rights. I would remind everybody that to become informed about police and government accountability, your constitutional and civil rights, go to tlobj.com or find us on social media, facebook.com, Central Ohio Criminal Defense, at tlobj on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and using our hashtags, no walk, no talk, and no blow. We'll be back next week with a new sui generis perspective on the next big thing in civil rights and the criminal injustice system, as well as a discussion of our featured topic, the new era of digital surveillance, including apps like Citizen, Ring, and Nextdoor. Erica, my grandfather always told me, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And to that, I add for all of my friends, if you do and you get caught, call me. I'll defend your rights as I would want mine defended.